0: Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. I apologize right away because. This is going to have a lot of football anag- analogies in it. <laughs> One thing I know pretty, pretty well. So I've been watching a lot of football lately, last three months, college and pro. I started thinking of, you know, the teams and their players and how the teams are built. You know, some from the ground up and some from the trade and the draft How are the players evaluated and put into the positions that they play? All these players and coaches and trainers and people in the front offices and, you know, just all the people that make up and they form a team. So that team gets organized into uh, a bond. You know, they have a common goal. They work and work to obtain that perfect rhythm in order to win one game, and then maybe another, and then maybe another. And of course, sometimes that rhythm gets disturbed. Some Something happens to break that rhythm. How does that team respond? Does it make it fold, or does it make it stronger? I'm a fan of a certain team from <laughs> Chicago, known as the Bears. <laughs> they had a great year, you know. I, I, con- considering what they've been through, they had a great year this year. Winning and losing together as a team. Recently, the Bears were unfortunately eliminated from the playoffs when their kicker, his name is Cody Parkey, he missed a seemingly easy 43-yard field goal that would have uh, won him the game. It wasn't just that he missed, but the way he missed it. He had hit the left upright, and the ball fluttered down and hit the crossbar, and just fell forward, never bounced into uh, going through the goal. Ironically, he had missed several field goals this season in a similar way. In one game, he missed four attempts the exact same way. Two field goals, hitting the uprights, and two extra points, hitting the uprights. I hate bringing that up, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard to even think or even how to hit the uprights, let alone hit, kick a field goal. Miss it, wide right, ride left, but hit hitting something this big. So he's done it six times this year, no other, no other, nobody in this, at the end of that game would, uh, you know, say anything but how he missed and, of course, how he had uh, missed several other kicks this year, but after the game, his teammates didn't make mention of that at all. Matter of fact, they they uh, told about how he made three field goals earlier in the game. They didn't say how he cost them the game. They didn't put blame just on him, they collectively lost that game. Still not easy for me to say, but they did it. And they all knew it. They shared the blame. You win together and you lose together. Not just one member. Have any of you ever felt a part or been a part of uh, a team, sports, business, or school? You know, that feeling it's like to be a part of something, to perform well as a team. Sometimes you, you do it so well that you kind of get a swelled head. <laughs> In order for a team to get to a point, that ultimate goal, you have to start somewhere. You have to start at the beginning. Get a philosophy, as they like to say buy into what the coach is selling. You want to perform well for the benefit of others and, of course, yourself. But you start to get a hunger to reach that goal. But your team will be there to lift you up when you fail and you them. That's what a team's about. I look at God as a team owner. He has several coaches that are put in positions in our lives that help tweak it here and there. His players are the faithful people that he also puts in your life. He's assembled for your team. The Bible is his playbook. And all you have to do is believe and buy into what he brings to the table. He already asked you to be on his team, his winning team. Now we have the opportunity to give it our best. When we last were here, not last week, but the week before, we saw that uh, we're in the home of Cornelius, a Roman centurion who, while in prayer, received a message from God to send men to bring back Simon, Peter. Along with Peter, at the same time he had received a message from God while in prayer as well, to go with these men. Cornelius tells Peter in verse 33, So I sent you sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we are all present before God, to hear all the things commanded you by God. We'll be looking at uh, chapter 10, verses 34 through 48 this, today. As we turn there, let me pray for all of us. Father, again, thank you each and every opportunity that you give us to lift your word up, to praise you, and to do your work. We thank you for allowing us to pray for one another, to uh, you know, bring peace and glory to someone 's lives to also pray for those who are sick and uh, are weak, and Lord just we uh, you know think of uh, I- Iola and my mom and and others that who are afflicted one way or another, and of course naturally we think of uh, those who i can 't be here today for another reason or another, but again, you know their story, you know what uh, what is necessarily in their lives, and we just thank you for again giving us this opportunity to uh, dive into your word to get a hold of it and to use it for your glory and to use it for our lives. And we always thank you in everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, (coughs) this passage gives us the first message ever preached to the Gentiles by one of the apostles. The first meeting of a new team and coach. The first get-to-know-each-other face-to-face. It will open the door for our salvation, and, of course, the salvation of the whole world. There are several points in this message that I want to point out. Let's look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. Notice that God shows no favoritism, And those who respect his position, he expects righteousness. God shows no favoritism. And those who respect his position, he expects righteousness. God shows no favoritism. He accepts anyone who fears him, respects him, and does what is right. God shows he has no favorites and no prejudice against anyone. He shows no partiality or discrimination. He doesn't accept a person because of nationality, race, or social standing or class. Sometimes this is hard for us to understand. God doesn't face a person because of who he is, what he's done, or what he has. People sometimes say, surely after all I've been doing for God, surely he will lean my way if it becomes a matter of him choosing me or over someone else that's kind of wrong isn't it that kind of thing doesn't make a person acceptable to God Peter states in these two verses that God is no respecter, respecter of persons and God is not a respecter of nations two things are demanded fearing God and doing what is right Righteousness means two things, to be right and to do right. There's a certain coach in the NFL, his mantra is, do your job. What that means is basically, do what God asks of you. Not just because he tells you to do it, because it is right to do it. There are those who stress being righteous and neglect to do righteousness. This can lead sometimes into uh, some serious errors in our lives. It can lead to false security. It causes a person to think that he is saved and acceptable to God because he has believed in Jesus Christ. But he neglects living according to God's will and serving man. That can also lead to loose living. It also allows a person to go out and do pretty much anything he wants. He feels secure and comfortable that he starts to feel self-righteous and feel self-righteousness. This is a person that thinks that he is saved because he does good. He works and behaves morally and keeps certain rules and regulations. He does things a Christian should do by obeying the laws of God. But... He neglects the basic law. The law of love and acceptance. That God loves him and accepts him not because he does good, but because he loves and trusts the righteousness of Christ. Sometimes another way of thinking can lead to being judgmental. A person who thinks that he is righteous because he keeps certain laws and often judges others. Again, the problem with this is that it False righteousness. So righteousness in the Bible is both being righteous and doing righteous. That is what we must fear. Trusting ourselves, our own thinking, not how God sees people, but how we do. That's all we've got to be careful for. Verse 36 goes on to say, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ... He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached. God's word wasn't meant for Israel alone. It was not meant for Israel alone. God sent sent his word to Israel. He sent Jesus preaching peace. Peter says it plainly. God sent his word to, to Israel and he sent it through Jesus Christ. But God's word wasn't meant for Israel alone, thank God. <laughs> Jesus just didn't come for Israel's salvation. Again, God is not a respecter of persons or nations. Peter declares three facts here. Jesus is Lord of all, right? We all know that. Not just the Jews, or the privileged or the poor or the religious or the uh, Gentiles or the heathen. He declares that Jesus has been talking about this throughout all Judea. Peter told Cornelius, you know, you have heard the word, the message God sent. Cornelius and one sitting around him had paid little or no attention. I wonder how many of us at one time or another, sat through service and paid little attention to the message. Looking at the score, I know, I've done, I know I've done there. Peter also said that Jesus began to preach God's word in Galilee, right after John's ministry of baptism. So, in preaching all this, Peter was saying that no one had an excuse for rejecting the gospel of God's kingdom. Jesus had traveled and preached the gospel everywhere. And so, as it is today, those who have heard the gospel, they have no excuse. We also have no excuse. We've sat here many a times, listening to different sermons, different different messages. We have no excuse either. Our job, and that is to Spread God's word. Not just to a few, but to everyone. Everyone we come across. It's hard to believe sometimes we neglect even those who live in our same household. Or those who we used to live in the same household with. Those are the ones sometimes that we neglect. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with the power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. Jesus is God's anointed Savior and paid it all for us. Jesus is God's anointed Savior and paid it all for us. As I said, Jesus is God's anointed Savior. Christ literally means the anointed one. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit in a way that no other person has ever been anointed before. He received an unlimited measure of the Spirit. And it was once for all. It was through this anointing that Jesus was able to show His power of healing and ministry the believer today still receives the Holy Spirit so that they can have the power to be witness to the world. Notice that Jesus didn't come nor was anointed to debate theories and theology with the ministers and priests. He was anointed to go out and about doing God, God's work and doing good and helping others by helping people by delivering them from the power of Satan. And there's proof that Jesus did these things because Peter tells them that he had he, Peter, and the earliest believers saw and knew him. Jesus is still working in lives today, de- delivering the power, delivering from the power of the devil. The proof can also be seen in the lives and witnesses of genuine believers. We too get a spirit of loyalty and pride. Like when we're watching our favorite team, we call ourselves fans. We want to go out and tell everyone how great our team is. Or we get defensive and protective when they lose. So much so that we would sacrifice our time, even sometimes our dignity. We have passion for our teams. And if we were to even take half of that passion and show show our belief in Christ, what might happen? But for many out there, they don't know the gospel enough to, or at all, to be passionate about it. We need to be ready to give stats and analysis about the Lord to inform them how great our team is and tell them like you should like our team we win all the time verse 40 him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly not to all the people but to witnesses chosen before by God even to us who ate and drank with Him after He arose from the dead, and He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is He who was ordained by God to be judge of, their, of the living and the dead. To Him all prophets witnesses, witness that through His name. Whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. Amen. Jesus was raised up, appeared, and will be judge of all men. He, will, he was raised up. Appeared and will be judge of all men. So in this verse we see that Jesus was raised up by God. And the fact he appeared after his resurrection. To show people who were chosen or appointed to be witnesses. God shows Jesus openly. Which means God sent Jesus before people so that he could be visibly and openly, publicly seen, Jesus appeared to the chosen witnesses. The words right here says "chosen before" means to be pointed out, to be pre-designated, to be appointed before Christ ever, before Christ ever arose. God chose some people to be witnesses of His Son's resurrection. They were chosen for a very, the very pur- purpose of proclaiming the resurrection of the dying people. The witnesses ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. His body was real. It was, really, it was really him. Peter also mentions that Jesus will be the judge in living of the living and the dead of all nations. God ordained Jesus to be judge of all men no matter who they are or whether they are alive or dead. Jesus is The prophesied Messiah. And he brings with him the forgiveness of sin. We must believe this in order to gain his forgiveness, but also to receive his Holy Spirit to guide us in our new position. That team spirit to dig down deep in ourselves and do God's work. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the uh, circumcision who believed were astonished as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God then Peter answered can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stick around for a few days. Peter executed God's perfect plan to include you and I, or me and you. (laughs) Sorry, Peter executed God's perfect plan to include me and you. Peter was still speaking, of course, when the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. The Gentiles' Gentile believers spoke in tongues and praised God. They broke out in ecstatic praise of God, leaving no doubt that they were saved. Now we see why God sent other Jews to go to Cornelius, Cornelius' house, with Peter, so they could be witnesses as well. They wanted to be witnesses of this, or He wanted them to be witnesses of this event. Peter asked them the question, can anyone keep these from being baptized? He challenged the Jewish believers that were with him. No one present could deny it. The Gentiles had been saved and the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them. Hallelujah. It was it was as if they were to be welcomed to the new team. That's what they were there for. Several times I've witnessed high schools and colleges, or colleges um, when they express a, uh, to a walk-on. You know what a walk-on is? is a uh, person who didn't receive a scholarship, but they were able to walk onto the team and try out for a position. They work extremely hard. Remember, they were never invited. They just decided they wanted to go play for this team. So as they worked and worked and took all the beatings of those scholarship players and, and of course the rubbing and the uh, teasing and kind of felt that they weren't part of the team but truly believed the fact that they were doing something. And eventually, sometimes, not all the time, but a lot of times, there's somebody comes in and as they're having their team meeting, those walk-ons are sitting there. They are presented with a scholarship because of their hard work. But who's also there? Those who were invited, those who are on scholarship, those players who have their positions, they get to witness what hard work and, and the value of that hard work is. And they get to witness these guys getting these scholarships that they didn't think they'd ever deserve or get. They were now part of the team. They were now who they are. They mean something. Similarly, the door to the Gentiles was open. If there was any prejudice before, it was certainly gone. And all that group there today, that day got to witness those walk-ons be part of the team. These next are not part of your outline, (laughs) but it was... I like to say, a perfect blueprint. Like a lot of teams, the script they script their first five to eight plays of the game to start the game. Coaches do this for cohesiveness and unity. When done, pla- when the, when done is planned and practiced, this often leads to a score. So again, some football analogies, I apologize. Number one, God shows no favoritism. God sent his word to Israel through Jesus Christ. Then Jesus is God's anointed savior. That's the first down. Then Jesus was sacrificed. He was crucified. We look at that as a sack or a loss. But Jesus was raised up by God. Jesus appeared to someone or Jesus appeared to to some who were chosen by witnesses. That's a big first down Jesus shall judge the living and the dead that's what I call the third down conversion first and goal (laughs) Jesus is the prophesied Messiah first and goal from the two yard line now believing in Jesus brings forgiveness of sin he walks into the end zone untouched Touchdown. But, extra point. You are on the same team. You have that same satisfying glory when we score. Your pride fills. But as any good team, we need to invite more players, more members to enjoy and glorify God. Not just to win this game. But to create a dynasty that we can continue to win and win each and every day and each and every year. From here to eternity. But not just ourselves, with everyone. You are part of this team. There are people outside who aren't. But they surely deserve to be on this team as well. Together we'll triumph over evil, we will gain that glory that lasts forever. When we step outside, are we going to hold up that banner and and say, oh, I I root for the Seahawks. I root for the Washington Huskies. I root for the Oregon Ducks. (laughs) I root for the Chicago Bears, the other teams throughout the nation. Pretty soon we'll see Chuck rooting for the Atlanta Falcons. But what happens is you are sometimes sucked into a little bit of wanting to root for that team. And that's what happens to us when we believe in Jesus. He draws you in and says, You know what? I want that. I want to be part of that. I want to win. But not only for myself, I want that guy to win. I want that girl to win. And I want that kid to win. We want to win together. Not so we can shove that in in somebody else's face. No. So they can glorify with us as well. Again, we will gain that glory that lasts forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for this opportunity and we thank you so much for sacrificing yourself so that we can gain the glory with you Lord and we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word a little bit and to get some understanding that uh, we may have not had before and Lord we thank you for what you have in store for us not only this afternoon but the rest of this week and hopefully the rest of our lives Lord that uh, again we can root for whatever team we want Lord but truly that we know what team we are about and we thank you for all that you have for us in Jesus precious name Amen. amen Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.